Hey friends, welcome to episode 450 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I am your host, Kevin Huntsberger, and joining me a little later on the show is Chad Smart. We're going to be talking about patriotism in pro wrestling, of course, as the show drops the day before July 4th. We're going to be talking about the Iron Sheik, of course, remembering his life, uh, but the fact that he was a big patriot in the world of professional wrestling. Sergeant Slaughter and Lacey Evans are kind of going back and forth. At least Sergeant Slaughter is on social media. We're going to talk about that as well as other patriots. And has patriotism become cliche in 2023? So stay tuned for more of that. But before we get to that, I do want to remind you that Pro Wrestling Tees has a sale that starts at noon on Monday, July 3rd. So as this show drops, the Pro Wrestling Tees sale starts and goes through July 7th. Save up to 20% on your purchases. And I would encourage you to check out the My123 Cents store. It is prowrestlingtees.com slash my123 cents. And as you are buying things online this holiday weekend, thighhuggers.com slash, oh, I'm sorry, thighhuggers.com promo code my123 cents will also save you some cash. They're actually uh, running a nice sale as well right now, a clearance sale, 50% off of a lot of different styles. If you want to get some Christmas thigh huggers before the holiday season, do that as well. And speaking of the holidays, it is Christmas in July, and hopefully this week I will have more information about the My One Two Three Cents action figure drive. It is coming back. I have worked it out a deal with a partner in Carbondale, Illinois. It is called Castle Perilous. It is a comic book store, and uh, you know they have all kinds of games and different things at Castle Perilous in Carbondale, Illinois. There is going to be a collection bin there, and I'm hoping this week to get that set up and and running, but I wanted to mention that uh, very soon, if you are in Southern Illinois and want to contribute, uh, Christmas in July is underway, and you can drop off there, or again, message me here uh, on social media through this uh, website or wherever you're listening. You can message me, and I can make arrangements to meet you to pick up But uh, I wanted to get an early start this year and uh, get the support of the listeners here for the show. And and again, we'll figure out ways to reward and and compensate, not compensate, but reward those who do help out or at least try to help out. And I'm going to talk more about the toy drive in the coming weeks here on the podcast. But uh, again, this is going to become a a big passion project for me this year. Um, I just am a bit more motivated to do good and to do better. And uh, I really want to make that work. So we'll talk more again about that coming up in the next couple of weeks. Also want to plug Stride Pro Wrestling. They had a show over the weekend and their next show coming up on August 5th. And uh, be sure to check it out. Stride Pro Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. YouTube, of course, where all the shows end up dropping. And, uh, if you are interested in training, I know that they are still doing trainings on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Uh, the time has changed, though. It is from 6.30 to 8.30, so check out, again, head to the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page. If you want to become a professional wrestler, you can check that out as well. Friends, stay tuned. My buddy Chad Smart is on the other side. Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey everyone, as promised, my guest this week is Chad Smart. And Chad, uh, it's been a while. Maybe the WrestleMania episode? Was that the last episode we did together? I believe it was. You haven't returned any of my phone calls since then. (laughs) Well, yes, we had talked uh, a while back, a few weeks ago now, about uh, doing an episode on the Iron Sheik, who I think was a pretty big part of both of our childhoods as far as 
watching wrestling and unfortunately he passed away and then uh i had some events coming up in my life i I i've talked about it here on the podcast i lost my mom that same week as the sheik and um i just kind of got into a funk where i I didn't want to talk about the sad stuff but i thought you know with with this week's episode uh we are falling it or it's falling the day before the fourth of july and you know patriotism and pro wrestling has always been a thing. I don't know if it's as, as prominent as it is now, and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but um, I would argue that uh, amongst the most patriotic, and, and I'm saying patriotic, not American patriotic, but patriotic wrestlers of all time is the Iron Sheik. You know, his love for Iran, and, and that was legitimate. He, you know, he's he wasn't, you know, some of those uh, Russian um, and, and foreign wrestlers from the 80s when we were growing up like Nikita Koloff and Ivan Koloff for example they weren't really Russian but the Iron Sheik was legit Iranian and an athlete and I'm sure people have already seen his uh, recent biography on A&E I won't go into all of his accolades and whatnot but he brought that pride into the WWF in the early 80s yes he did (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be a question there. Um, no, no. I, well, you know, I, I mean, what what were your thoughts as far as as a kid? Because we we were both about the same age. I'm older, but yes, you uh, are. You know, we are, are pre tween, our pre teens. You know, tweens when all this is going on, and of course, in the '80s, we had the whole uh, you know nuclear scare with Russia, and were they or weren't they going to press the red button? And all you know, all this chaos, mm-hmm. or at least. That's how I remember my childhood of of having legitimate fears as a kid, and maybe this is part of my uh, <laughs> adulthood anxiety. But that that fear of there being a war, and then you bring these characters in, and 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 back then, this was right before the twenty twenty special, so I didn't know that it was not all legit. So I thought that Nikita Koloff and uh, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik really hated America and were here to do bad things. So, uh, you know, do you ever remember having any of those kinds of thoughts or feelings of, of these, uh, bad guys from foreign countries, so to speak? I don't know if I'd go that far, but, you know, speaking of iron cheek, I guess, uh, I'll start with, you know, I didn't get into, I didn't discover WWF wrestling until like mid the late 84 so you know i i missed hulk hogan winning the title from iron sheik and so my first memories of sheik is teaming with nikolai volkov one of those fake russians as you alluded to earlier and lithuanian what's that he's lithuanian though i think oh i thought it was from maryland he lived in maryland but he was actually i think he was born in lithuania oh Learn something new every day. I wonder if he rocked one of those Grateful Dead Lithuanian Olympic basketball shirts. Let's find out. Yeah. Um, random nineteen ninety two reference. Um, but yeah, so you know, I and, and yes, growing up in the eighties, you know, it's funny. Now I'm going to go off on a tangent that uh, if you look back at eighties movies, especially from like I would say eighty four to eighty six how much Russian underlying references there are mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I guess probably didn't pick up on as a kid because either one wasn't smart enough to get it or two, because it was just a normal everyday, you know, thought it, it was just like, Oh yeah, of course they're going to mention this because it's like, you know, mentioning the sun coming up. It's something that we deal with, but uh, you know, I, I've just started going back and watching uh mid-south wrestling on 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 the peacock uh wwe network and the iron sheik was there in 1981 you know i sent you the picture of, of uh, uh precious paul ellering mm-hmm. who the sheik feuded with um over the iranian club you know who could do the clubs the longest and yeah i think it's interesting especially you know given historical context of the iranian hostage situation in 1979 1980 that um, that the sheik did play up his Iranian heritage that much, and you know, based on stories that the old timers have told, got out of arenas alive. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, 
I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just uh, a thought that I think, well, let, do you want to talk about Iron Sheik or do you want to go with just nationalities? Let, let's talk. Let's stick with Sheik for a few more minutes and then we'll, we'll get into nationalities. And I do want to mention, I did Google it and uh, Nikolai Volkov is a Croatian American professional wrestler. So he was from Yugoslavia. Um, and then moved to the United States. And he, he did live in Maryland where he ran for public office um, later in his life. And then that's actually where he ended up passing away too. So, so Nikolai, uh, not a Russian, but not an American or not a a, a born in the USA American, as they say, but a longtime partner of the Iron Sheik. And, you know, like you said, you you came in after his feud with Hogan, and I feel like I'm trying I'm trying to remember if he feuded with Sergeant Slaughter first, and then won the championship, and then feuded with Hogan, or if it was after he lost the belt that he started the Sergeant Slaughter feud. But I mean, they had some hellacious matches uh, back in the in the in the mid '80s for sure. Yeah, I feel Slaughter would have been before Hogan because Slaughter was out of well, if you're talking WWF feuds. Mm-hmm. Because Slaughter would have been out of WWF mid-84, I believe. And, you know, it's funny. I Speaking of Slaughter, um, you know, he was he was part of the G.I. Joe team. And I believe that was when he was not in WWF, which is kind of odd because I always just associate Slaughter with WWF. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, it made perfect sense for Slaughter and Sheik to feud and you know, not have a uh, Playboy Bunny pillow match, if you will, but have more of a more violent uh, view based on, again, what was going on in the world at the time. Yeah, and, you know, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, as we mentioned before, too. Sheik, Sheik was definitely a transitional champion. You know, they had the white meat baby face of Bob Backlund who held the belt for, for many, many years. Um, then he loses it in December of 1983 to the iron Sheik, who uh, goes to then drop it a month later to Hulk Hogan, um, who of course we know how that run went. So I feel like that is really the first example where we saw a transition of power, not only on camera, but behind the scenes, because obviously Vince McMahon senior had gone or Vince, you know, the, the Vince McMahon of, of the sixties and seventies, WWF was much different in his style than Vince, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, I believe. And so we see, uh, you know, the big 300 pound Hulk Hogan, uh, representing the company and, and that, you know, and facing all these giants and, 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 you know, evil foreigners like Sheik and Volkoff and, and whatnot. Um, but Sheik, you know, sometimes it's hard to believe or hard to remember back to the fact that that he was technically WWE champion, even if it was just for a month. But um, I think definitely helped that seed of Hulkamania plant, be planted because I don't know that it would have been the same had Hogan beat Bob Backlund for the championship. So you needed that that evil villain, I think, for for Hogan to overcome. Yeah, definitely. And he's. You know, especially with, like you said, the baby face, I mean, the biggest baby face in Bob Backlund, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't have helped. But I think, you know, especially with Hulk Hogan being the, you know, real American, as he would later, you know, steal the song from the U.S. Express mm-hmm. to, to be, um, you know, that was the persona of Hogan. And so, yes, defeating the evil foreigner, which is a, you know, a staple of wrestling, I think, again, going back into that time frame, um, because, you know, before that, if my memory is, if I'm telling this correctly, you know, you had Bruno San Martino beating Ivan Koloff and um, I'm trying to think of all the other foreign uh, wrestlers that would have been vanquished by Bruno. So Hogan was just that next step. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, he did feud, I think a little bit with Nikolai Volkov as well. And yeah, um, you know, Kamala, the Ugandan giant, who again, not really Ugandan. I can't <laughs> believe wrestling is such a lying, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that was kind of Hogan's thing is that he was the, 
you know, the pride of America, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was, you know, taking on all these evil foreigners and showing them that America number one. And yeah. Well, and you mentioned the U S express. So we, we can't go without mentioning the very first WrestleMania where iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with Freddie Blassie in their corner, uh, end up defeating Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo for the tag team titles. 12 year old me was pissed off. I was so mad <laughs> that Sheik and Volkov won those belts and that Windham and Rotundo had lost because I, you know, and looking back now, Windham and Rotundo were just kind of a plain vanilla tag team. I think mm. they didn't really, they weren't flashy or, you know, they weren't like the bulldogs or the killer bees. They, they didn't stand out in hindsight, but, but 12 year old me loved Wyndham and Rotundo. And, and so, and, and now looking back with hindsight, Sheik and Volkov were so entertaining. You know, you have the Sheik mm. come out and cut that promo at the beginning, uh, you know, putting down America saying Russia, number one, Iran, number one, America, Hak Pui, doing his, his spit. And then uh, Volkov then going right into the Russian national anthem and, you know, classy Freddie Blassie there. And then eventually slick taking over for him. But um, I look back at that duo and I'm like, man, these guys really got it as far as getting the, the, the crowd riled up and, 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 you know, and then they did a great job of, of making their opponents look good, you know, eventually losing the belts back and, turning on George the Animal Steel, like everything they did, I feel like was was so good. Um, and maybe at the time didn't realize it, but, you know, again, that benefit of hindsight and being able to go back and watch things on the network or or see things on YouTube, it's it, to me, it's been uh, fun kind of reliving those 80s days. Mm-hmm. But, no, I, yeah, yeah, and I, I'm with you that, you know, I'm trying to remember back to my memories of watching WrestleMania 1 where, you know, I'm sure I was upset that Sheik and Volkov had won, um, you know, and, and I didn't want to hear the Russian national anthem being sung. But, you know, and as much love as, you know, we have now for Barry Windham and I guess even to an extent, Mike Rotunda, like you said, they were just, you know, they I mean, they could have been called Vanilla Sunday for yeah. all the, you know, all the care, all the charisma that they would later come to have or, right. or character build that they would have later at the time and and yeah and she can volkov winning it um and i'm trying to think because they would go on to lose to they the lost dream team. they no they lost them back to barry winham and mike rotundo okay and then the dream team beat barry winham and mike that's rotundo. right yeah okay um but yeah it's you know and i think I think Sheik and Volkov too also kind of brought out the best of each other because, you know, then later on the Sheik would leave and Nikolai would team with Boris Zukov and that team. And, and granted, you know, that team was never really pushed as a major threat. And, you know, and then later on Nikolai would join the million dollar corporation and be kind of made fun of, or, you know, he was presented as less than the rest of the team. So, yeah. So I think, uh, really, Sheik and Volkov probably hit their peak in 1985. And, um, you know, I mean, you still, because the Berlin Wall didn't come down until 1989, 1990. So they still had time that they could have done something with them. Mm-hmm. But, I, but again, by that time, Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania was running wild. And, um, you know, and I'm trying to think down in, in Jim Crockett, when you had the, where you had the Koloffs and, and what they, I'm trying to think of who they were feuding with at the time. Uh, because after Magnum TA, you know, his accident, then Nikita Koloff, who was the fierce Russian, he and Dusty kind of made amends in, in storyline. Yeah. So you turn Nikita face and uh, you kind of, I mean, it worked for Nikita, but it kind of killed off that dynamic of, of America versus the foreign power. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny how politics does you know play into uh, professional wrestling, and and as far as the characters and and the evil foreigners, like you said, because you know with Sheik, even you know in in 1987, I remember reading it in the newspaper of all places <laughs> that Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron mm-hmm. Sheik had gotten arrested, 
um, because they had drugs in their car. But what was more shocking, I think, to fans was these two were were in the same car together, but yeah. they, you know, involved in this big feud in the WWF at the time. And and I think they both got fired for a minute and, and Duggan obviously came back and, and really uh, did very well for himself mm-hmm. in the WWF and Sheik went away for a bit. I remember he wrestled in world class and he wrestled in, uh, I don't know if it was Jim Crockett promotions or if WCW had officially become a thing, if Turner had bought it by then. Um, so I, I do remember him being away from the WWF for a bit. And then of course, coming back in 1990, late 1990, early 91, when the Gulf war is going on. And again, we've got the, the whole, politics or or world world news in in wrestling and and sergeant slaughter has become an iraqi sympathist Mm -hmm. and now he's being managed by general adnan who looks like he could be saddam hussein's long lost brother (laughs) and iron sheik is now colonel mustafa and i don't remember and do you remember this did they try to completely erase the memory of the iron sheik or were they referring to him still as sheik but now he's Colonel Musta. I can't remember. I, I don't remember if there were ever any Iron Sheik references. It was clearly the same guy, obviously. Right. Yeah, I, I want to say that they did not, especially at that time, they didn't reference, you know, maybe later when he would come mm-hmm. back, there would be some failed comments. But I think at the time, he was just General Adnan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Sheik is uh, back as Colonel Mustafa. And, and obviously... I think by then he's in his mid forties mm-hmm. um, and you know, guys in their mid forties today are, are much different than the the guys in the, in the eighties and early nineties that mm-hmm. were in there in that same age group. And I don't know if it was the lifestyle or, or what, you know, obviously the, mm-hmm. the wellness and, and health of, of wrestlers has improved with, uh, you know, the corporate umbrella, but uh, you know, Sheik had a rough uh, a rough go of it that that last time around when when he was Colonel Mustafa and and, and wrestling, uh, you know he was in the main event of that SummerSlam uh, in '91 with against Hogan and and Ultimate Warrior, but he kind of fell from grace and and eventually left and you know he he was in and out and and would come back and and serve as a manager briefly for the Sultan who of course ended up becoming Rikishi, uh, you know did some spots here and there, won the gimmick battle Royal at WrestleMania 17. Um, rumor has it because he was in such he couldn't, bad shape, he couldn't take yeah. a bump over the top rope. Um, and that, I think that one ended, I think he eliminated Hillbilly Jim at the end of it, but you know, him and Sergeant Slaughter tied it back up and, and had things going on. So, uh, you know, for me, as we kind of wrap up the iron cheek portion of this, definitely an icon, uh, mm-hmm a beloved figure later in life, but I, I think that fans will uh, fans your, your age and my age will remember him as that, uh, you know, Irani flag waving America, Hakpui, you know, but he influenced guys like Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who, you know, rock has been very vocal about that, but I think that he kind of set the standard for that foreign heel character uh, that, you know, a lot of us, or at least I, legitimately had a, a fear of what yeah. you know, he was planning. Is he really talking to uh, Ayatollah Khomeini? <laughs> you know, all of those things because yeah. you heard those headlines in the news and stuff of of these foreign leaders and whatnot. So, I I I legit bought into it, and I know that Sheik and Volkov influenced our costumes for WrestleMania Thirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was just because. You know, WrestleMania 30, we wanted to pay tribute to WrestleMania 1. We had already done Flair and Piper at uh, WrestleMania 25. Hogan and Piper. Hogan and Piper, yeah. Um, so there really wasn't much left um, to choose from with a d- distinct look. But uh, I have two last comments about Cheek. And one, you may have mentioned this on a previous episode, but didn't you use the bathroom with the Sheik? Oh, my God, yes. How could I forget that? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, the episode was, uh, uh, yeah, a while back, but yeah, it was at WrestleMania. I don't 29, remember, 29. Okay. We were in New York. Yeah. We were at the Chikara show. Uh, and it was, it was in the same building as WrestleCon, right? The yes. hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And so the WrestleCon, for some reason, the bathroom was 
on the Picarish side of the building. And so mm-hmm. I had mentioned before, Hogan was in there and, and Jushin Liger and, and someone that will remain nameless. But I, <laughs> like I said, I was standing at the urinal and I hear this like voice of, you know, cursing and grumbling and, and whatnot. And there was a guy pushing the Iron Sheik to the urinal next to me. And Sheik stood up, <laughs> took a piss, and got back in his chair and went on his way. But, yeah, that was my – God, I, I can't believe you got that. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, and I'm just going to say, you say he'll remain nameless. I'm going to name him. Apparently, according to you, Johnny Gargano does not wash his hands after using the bathroom. So if you ever meet Johnny Gargano, just uh, wave. Don't try to shake his hand or give him a fist bump. Now, to be fair, this was 10 years ago, so I'm sure his hygiene... He may have changed, yeah. Hopefully, with the the baby, you know, hopefully he is now... um... (laughs) Big secret revealed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my my last thing was, you know, speaking of, because you you said, you know, um, Sheik being fearful, you know, making you afraid and and scared. How did you then uh, feel when Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling came out and the sheik was a character on there Hmm. i think by then this was fall of 85 sorry i just uh (laughs) as you asked that question i was taking a drink and took an ice cube (laughs) um so as you know i feel like there was that transition like after the expose on on abc on where john sossel got Mm. slapped around I feel like as a fan that kind of because I was still pretty early in my fandom at that point. And I I still remember asking my dad, you know, is this true? Is, is wrestling, you know, scripted like that? And, you know, he was watching the same thing I was watching. So, you know, we, and, and I think he probably knew that it was quote unquote, you know, as they used to say back in the day, fake, but we never talked about it not being, you know, on the up and up. So uh, I think by the time the cartoon came out, um, I knew that it was all part of the act, if you will. So, so those fears, you know, and I was probably mm. too old to be watching Saturday morning cartoons at that <laughs> point at, at, at almost 13 years old, but you know what? Uh, I'm yeah. 50 now and I still, if it was on now, I would, would sit down and watch it, but uh, yeah, it just kind of, and again, you know, you throw back in and you bring in the pop culture thing like you just did. And that just mm-hmm. brought up another memory, you know, Sheik and Volkoff and, and Piper and Blassie and, and Lou Albano and uh, Wendy Richter are all very prominent in the uh, Goonies are good mm-hmm. enough video that yeah. the Lopper did for the, for the title song for the movie, the Goonies. So, uh, and they do a whole little, and, and maybe when we, when we do a music mania and I want to do that still, <laughs> we'll we'll deep dive into that but you know that that beginning of that video was like a little quick little movie if you will mm-hmm. um and Sheik and, and Volkov are very prominent in that too so uh Sheik became a a big part of pop culture i think beyond just uh, the wrestling side of things yeah yeah and especially with you know the three seasons of young rock you know you mentioned that mm-hmm. the rock has said that Sheik would be you know a big influence on him but um and speaking of fake you know, I don't know how much of the younger actor takes seriously and how much is creative licensing with yeah. characters, but yes, the chic that is portrayed on there is different than the chic that we were seeing in front of the camera. Absolutely. Well, that is kind of our tribute to Iron Sheik and 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 his patriotism um, in the world of professional wrestling. I want to talk something, you know, and I, I like talking nostalgia, obviously, mm-hmm. but Part of this conversation I wanted to have today, too, is uh, a current patriotism, uh, maybe hang up or controversy. I don't know how controversial it is. I'm just going off of wrestling Twitter when I bring this up. (laughs) You may not have heard as much about this. I don't know. But Lacey Evans is back. Uh, She's been repackaged a couple of times. But now her character seemingly and I and I again, I I don't see a whole lot of smackdown. So uh, but she's kind of dressing like sergeant slaughter she's got the hat the sunglasses and kind of has that look and sergeant slaughter and his family have taken umbrage with this and are not exactly thrilled about it and slaughter has even said in interviews uh recently that he's upset that wwe and and lacey evans specifically didn't come to him and ask for permission to use the cobra clutch which is sergeant slaughter's uh finishing maneuver um 
Slaughter brings up in the course of the interview that, you know, when he left the WWF, Ted DiBiase was using the million dollar dream, which is the Cobra clutch. Uh, They Mm -hmm. just gave it a different name. And and I think he didn't have issue with that because they gave it a different name. But when he came back in uh, as the heel Iraqi sympathist, he was using the camel clutch, which was the Iron Sheik's move. And he claims that he talked to Sheik beforehand and got permission. So I don't know Mm -hmm. in wrestling how much it is a sign of disrespect if these wrestlers today don't talk to their predecessors and ask for permission to use a finisher. Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens, for example, Mm -hmm. using the Stone Cold Stunner. You know, rumor has it that, that he did talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin about it. But what happens if these wrestlers, the the legends, if you will, say no? Mm-hmm. So part of my issue is I understand Sergeant Slaughter's perspective on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm also like, is this just a boomer who is cranky about something because he's not in the limelight anymore? And it's like Lacey Evans is a legitimate veteran. Like she served our country and not to discredit mm-hmm. Sergeant Slaughter, but that was all a character. That was all character. Yeah. Um, so is, is this much to do about nothing or is, is, is this Sergeant Slaughter trying to stay relevant? What, what are, what are your viewpoints? Uh, yes, I would say that it is more, um, being offended or upset for the sake of being offended and mm-hmm. upset. You know, I don't think, I mean, I don't know if Sergeant Slaughter invented the, the Cobra clutch, uh, you know, then I can see kind of you know where he would be coming from like hey i invented this this move why are you using it you know with kevin owens using the stunner you know i mean there was a time back in the late 90s when it seemed like every other wrestler was using some version you know because you had the diamond cutter you had the ace cutter you had the just the cravat um and then because of the popularity of stone cold the stone cold stunner became like I would say the de facto um, version of that move, but um, you know, it, and yes, you know, uh, Steve Austin before using the stunner was using the million dollar dream. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just don't, and yet, you know, no one has really probably spoken about Sergeant Slaughter in, you know, uh, in, in a, several years in, in terms of popularity or whatnot. And, and I don't know if it's because it's also Lacey Evans, who's never really been presented as a major, you know, major player in the WWE women's scene, other than that, like one month where her and Baron Corbin were feuding with Seth and Becky. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I, I would say that this is more, comes off more of just, old person yelling at clouds and as someone who uh is very familiar with yelling at clouds i (laughs) i I feel comfortable in saying that i i think sergeant slaughter is blowing this all out of proportion um so yeah i you know i when i saw those stories i just kind of went like yeah okay whatever yeah it's not and and yeah if slaughter has a problem with it like you said at least Lacey is a, an actual Marine or former Marine, whereas Sergeant Slaughter just bought a camouflage jacket at a thrift store. So I don't know. That. So, and that, that brings up another point, you know, in wrestling. I think like no other form of entertainment, wrestling mm-hmm. kind of gets scrutinized a little more than others because we're seeing these wrestlers – Pretty much as the wrestler, you know, when when Tom Hanks is walking mm. down the street and we run into him, we don't expect him to to be Forrest Gump. I would hope not. Yeah, yeah, we expect him to be Tom Hanks. But when we run into, um, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, for example, mm. we also expect. For some reason, we don't expect to see Bob Remus. We expect to see Sergeant Slaughter. Mm-hmm. And that becomes, I think, sometimes, uh, you know, as fans, we have this expectation of they're always in character. Um, you know, the the video the other day that has kind of gone a little bit viral 
with um, John Cena. You know, he's out at a restaurant eating and and there's a fan recording him and, and kind of being annoying. And Cena's like very politely, but kind of tells the guy, hey, I'm with my friends. You know, I'm spending time with my friends. And he even made a reference to that little incident during uh, Money in the Bank over the weekend. So I think that and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the point is I'm trying to make with this. <laughs> Well, uh, I think it's it's a thing where the separation, it you know, it, it's separation of reality versus fantasy in a sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, you know, a, an actor can go on TV and promote a movie, but they're not promote. you know, unless it's somebody like Will Ferrell or Jim Carrey doing a bit, they're not going to promote the movie in character. They're going to come on as Right. person portraying a character whereas you know you look back at when wrestlers would go on arsenio hall or uh regis and and kathy lee they would come in in character basically you know it wasn't you know you weren't seeing randy poffo you were seeing right. macho man randy yeah. savage you know when the undertaker went on regis he was in full costume you know not saying anything um now if he went on there he probably regis wouldn't get him to shut up but um, it's, it's a, I, I think that's the difference in, um, in, in what you're saying. And so, yeah, and not to disparage wrestling fans, um, although I'm probably about to, <laughs> there are a, you know, a subsection of the fandom that, that doesn't fully understand that, that difference. And I don't, you know, I, I, and I didn't see this video of John Cena that you're talking about, but. I can imagine that if a fan saw Cena out because uh, unfortunately society as a whole and not just wrestling fans, but people, right. especially if they have a, you know, a cell phone with them and they can record, you know, they're going to want to record just even probably just to get a reaction so that then that they right. can post on social media and hopefully go viral. Yeah. Um, so that's that's unfortunate because um, as a society we really need to regain a sense of manners and decorum. But but yeah, it's it's that difference thing of I guess going back to Sergeant Slaughter. Yes, I think at times even these older wrestlers kind of forget that there is a line between character and and real person. Well, and I guess that's kind of also where I'm headed with that. And I kind of as you were talking remembered the original point of my little sidetrack there was, you know, obviously when we see a, a movie or a TV show and, and we know that those characters are, or those actors are playing characters. Mm -hmm. And I think with wrestling also, we forget that, you know, we mentioned Nikita Koloff and Ivan Koloff earlier, you know, is it okay for uh, these, these performers, these wrestlers to be characters or, or things that they're not, you know, and now I'm going to go way off the deep end, but, <laughs> you know, for example, Sergeant Slaughter never served our country, but he mm -hmm. played a character that did. And people really revered him in that regard. But let's flip this. And, you know, when when back a couple of years ago, when Roman Reigns announced that he had leukemia mm -hmm. and there was probably a 50 50 split of fans that thought that this was a gimmick, that this was being worked and, and it was, mm -hmm. you know, not on the up and up now. I think it's been proven that he really did have leukemia and was gone and, and went through treatment and whatnot. But my argument would be, what if he didn't Roman reigns has leukemia, not Joe Anawaya, who yeah. is the man playing that character. So, you know, we didn't get upset when Tom Hanks and I keep going to Tom Hanks <laughs> didn't really have AIDS in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like with wrestling fans, sometimes, you know, there are probably, you know, and 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 cancer and, and illness and stuff I get is very deep. And, and we watch wrestling for escapism and, and not to get bogged down in that. So I'm not saying that they should have gone with it as an angle. I'm just saying mm -hmm. you're just saying that Tom Hanks really needs to be a better method actor. Yes. No. But that, <laughs> that you know, it is entertainment and Sometimes we lose sight of that, I think, as fans and, and we get upset. And I, and I do the same thing. I, I'm not, uh, you know, perfect here. But mm -hmm. um, those are just kind of some some thoughts on the whole 
Sergeant Slaughter, you know, is he a, a, a patriot or not? In the 80s, he left the WWF. He went and, and did stuff with G.I. Joe. He wrestled in the AWA. He, he did some things away from the company. And in that time, I, I feel like, again, we're in that, that midst of that uh, American pride. You know, Hulk Hogan was the real American. But for whatever reason, Vince McMahon or, or creative in WWF felt the need to have uh, another Sergeant Slaughter type character. And so the world is introduced in late 1985 to Corporal Kirshner, who, again, is another um, legitimate veteran um, and and became a professional wrestler. Now, obviously, did not have the same impact. And and I can't remember if we've done an episode like this or if it was one of my ideas to, to do down the road. But, you know, it was kind of like when Superfly Snooka left and they brought in C.V. Afi. Um, mm-hmm. and they were trying to do something with someone who probably di- didn't have the same or not probably they didn't have the same uh, amount of charisma and they were not, the, you know, they were not over like their predecessor. And I think that mm-hmm. Corporal Kirshner was a, a, a big time failed experiment, if you will, in, in the WWF back uh, in that era. Do you remember much of Corporal Kirshner? I know he he kind of picked up the feud with Sheik and Volkov, wrestled mm-hmm. Volkov at WrestleMania 2 in a flag match, and that's about it as far as his prominence goes, and then he kind of became a, a, an enhancement talent of sorts. Yeah, I remember coming in, and you know, I remember him having an LJN figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't, you know, if I asked you, uh, what is your favorite Corporal Kirshner match? I, I don't know if I could you know, can name one, but, uh, you know, I think, like you said, that was just kind of like trying to go to the well one, one too many times where trying to replicate the success of a popular character, you know, and, and you mentioned, you know, an example, WWE is kind of notorious for doing this, um, on, on a few occasions. So, um, I, I think, you know, maybe that's a unfortunate trait of of management thinking, well, if this is popular, if we give them a new version, mm-hmm. you know, much like new Coke, it will be just as popular. And yeah. Like, no, it doesn't work because what got, you know, it's not necessarily the character that gets someone over. It helps, but the person portraying the character also has to have the charisma or the talent to bring that character to life. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw, you know, with Hulk Hogan and and this patriotism theme, you know, he not only defeated the iron Sheik and, and, you know, ushered in this new era of, of pro wrestling. um, He wasn't, you know, obviously real American being his theme song. And he, he did occasionally carry the flag, but he, his gimmick wasn't just that he was a patriotic guy. Uh, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan came in and 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 kind of picked up that patriotism uh, shtick, if you will. Uh, but then in 1993, 30 years ago, actually this week, as we're recording this, um, Lex Luger goes from being a narcissist mm. to this all-American guy on July 4th, 1993, body slamming Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid. We had a chance to see that uh, ship back uh, when we were in in New York for WrestleMania 29 in in 2013. Um, Thoughts on Luger and and kind of embracing... I always thought Lex Luger was at his best when he was a heel. Uh, Back in the Mm -hmm. Crockett days, when he was a horseman, when he was in WCW... Uh, you know, that cocky, arrogant, he had that look. And then when he came in and, and maybe the narcissist was a little bit too cartoony. On the nose. Too yeah. um, but when he and I think WWE, WWF at that time was was in a jam because. For whatever reason, they didn't want to continue on with Bret Hart. So they bring in Lex Luger to to be the next challenger for for the title. Yokozuna had just won it back from Hulk Hogan at the King of the Ring. And uh, this face turn kind of came out of nowhere with Mm -hmm. with Luger then adorning the red, white and blue short or uh, trunks and elbow pads and knee pads. And he's on the U.S. the Lex Express where he's crisscrossing the country, waving the flag. To me, it did not 
feel natural and organic. And I think, like you said earlier, you can give the, somebody the gimmick, but if it's the person that gets it, you know, Bob Remus as Sergeant Slaughter brought that gimmick to new heights, you know. And so I, I think just because you give a guy an American flag and, and say you're a patriotic uh, individual now, I don't think that always translates and works out for the best. No. And yeah, I mean, go, speaking of lucre first. So uh, as you mentioned, we did see the intrepid and I was just thinking, why did we not try to body slam each other on the intrepid when we were there? Great photo op and yes. probably get on a no fly zone somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and I think the problem with that turn, I agree with you also that I think Lex Luger is better as the cocky heel because, you know, he had the body to, to be like, look at the, you know, yeah. to be the arrogant person. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to say that Lex Luger is the greatest wrestler, but I don't think he's as bad as some have said he was, right. you know, yeah, I agree. Um, but I think that the biggest problem with that turn is that, like you said, it came out of nowhere. You know, it was like on Sunday, he was wrestling uh, as a heel. And then the next day at the Intrepid, he's coming in via helicopter late and Baba Heenan doesn't know why he's there. And, and then he's like, all of a sudden all American Lex Luger, which, you know, um, anytime you do a, that drastic of a, of a shift, I think it's going to be hard for the fans to, to process. Yeah. And, and then especially, you know, what ultimately killed it too, in my opinion, is the fact that he didn't beat Yokozuna. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I just think that I have, I lost my train of thought on, on Lex Luger, but he, it's not just a simple, you know, I think I'm trying to think of who else, at that time could have been put into that position of being the American hero for, for WWF to vanquish the uh, totally authentic Japanese wrestler, Yokozuna. Um, and I don't know, you know, do you have anybody, can you think of anybody off the top of your head who would have maybe worked better in that position? Not really. I mean, you know, it was kind of slim pickings and I think that's why they went with Luger you know, uh, unless they had signed um, Kevin Nash a little sooner uh, mm -hmm. and instead of bringing him in as Diesel, just bringing him in as this big, because you know, he's another veteran, you know, he served our yeah. country in the army um, and would have been big enough to go toe to toe with Yokozuna and would have been believable, even though he was greener than Goose mm -hmm. Poop. I think that coming in, um, that would have been an impact and, and perhaps had this been a year later, I think that would have probably worked better because I think Nash had come in right around that same time as, as diesel and was just serving as the bodyguard and not wrestling yet. But I, yeah, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head from that era. Uh, you know, you had, like I said, Bret Hart, you had uh, Mr. Perfect had just turned baby. Um, but yeah, beyond that, the 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 roster the talent roster was not uh, very deep in in those terms and I think that they went round and round with Hogan at that time too and and weren't sure if he was staying or if he was going so I think that may have played uh, a part of that too because there is a rumor that it was supposed to be Hulk Hogan and Yokozuna in a rematch at SummerSlam and then when Hogan said he wasn't sticking around I think they scrambled and and that's why we got the abrupt Lex because you know Luger had the body. Uh, mm -hmm. and and had the look that Vince had always liked uh, even though we're now entering also into the steroid scandal um, and I think that may maybe that was part of the reason too why they didn't go all the way with Lex um, I, I don't know I, I don't know what the the logic or the thinking is there yeah and and I think you know if it would have been Hogan I think Hogan's time had passed in WWF Mm -hmm. because I think they needed something new and fresh. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, doing the, the all American kind of gimmick against uh, Yokozuna. Also, I think may have just been that, that feeling of patriotism as we've moved on as a country, you know, after the Gulf war, um, 
which would have been well right around that time i guess the gulf war uh, you know a year or two before but i think i think the patriotism angle had kind of uh america is moving into a more cynical yeah uh you know you're you're now in the in the early stages of the grunge movement and uh yeah i, I you know i i just think it was time for a change as uh, Owen Hart would have said. Well, and, and yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I cut you off. Oh, I, I was kind of stumbling to finish that sentence. Oh. So go ahead. Well, you know, as you, you mentioned Owen Hart and I, I was going to go from there, or, you know, what we were talking about yeah. there, it, it seemed like there was that gap where the patriotism was, was kind of gone, but in 96, 97, Bret Hart brings it mm. back in, in the form of that Canadian pride um, yeah. in the reformation of the Hart Foundation and and his disdain for the United States. And, um, you know, some would argue that that was some of Brett's best work um, mm. on the mic and in the ring. And, you know, of course, it eventually leads to the to the Canadian screw or the uh, Montreal screw job. I don't really remember in the mid 90s and even into the Attitude Era. There being the American Patriot, if you will, other than the Patriot himself, who was there for a cup of coffee in the WWF, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and on WCW side of things, we had uh, another team Canada type uh, stable going on with Lance storm. And I think Jim Duggan actually turned and, and joined yeah. for a bit. Big skipper. Yeah. So we, we had that Canadian pride and, you know, there were, there were hits throughout, the the time of on on both channels i think where we we had them but i i can't remember any real american uh enforcers if you will until 9 11 happened and and kurt angle kind of they i think they shifted him again to that uh, american hero that olympic hero he was a baby face there for a little bit um mm-hmm. but then you know kept going back and forth as well but i i, I don't remember uh any instances uh and correct me if I'm wrong. And if, if you're listening to this and, and think of something that we're not, I feel like that Lex Luger run and, and, and again, a bit with the Kurt Angle stuff, but I can't think of anybody that kind of carried that American uh, Patriot, you know, I guess the American mm-hmm. badass version of the undertaker to an extent, but that's, I guess that's more of a everyman character than that. Yeah. You know, he wasn't necessarily waving the flag, but, was there a, another flag bearing, you know, flag waving? You know, I, I know we got into Jack Swagger later with with uh, Uncle Zeb or mm-hmm. uh, Zeb Coulter. But, I, I, you know, they were being portrayed as heels. So I, I don't know. Help me here. No, I think you've named all of them. And and I think, you know, because of like the Bret Hart Canadian, the pro-Canadian stance, that did kind of. Um, it was the antithesis to the American patriotism mm-hmm. to where um, yeah, no one is really carrying the flag, you know, and I, I don't want to get too bogged down in politics here, but you know, I think at the time there just wasn't, you know, going, I'm trying to figure out the proper way to say this, but going from like the cold war stance to the, um, you know, into a post, um, again, Gulf War, you know, with, I, I just think the American citizen wasn't as rah-rah American anymore mm-hmm. to wear a, um, an American flag-bearing character. You know, Angle was fine because he could, he had depth to the character, you know, and he right. could be, he could be aggressive or he could be silly. And, that again, it goes back to that personality, you know. Whereas the Patriot was just a guy in a red, white, and blue mask, and there wasn't any depth to that, yeah. So, uh, and same way, you know, like you mentioned, American Badass Undertaker, that was, I mean, that's the Undertaker, he had built up, you know, almost 10 years of credibility with the audience. So, yeah, I just think. Um, and to with, you know, going back to the heart foundation, uh, it's just very easy to make fun of Canada and hate Canada as <laughs> one should, um, these send all hate mail to my one, two, three cents care of 
jittery monkey podcasting uh but yeah no it, it i you know i just I, I just feel like patriotism as a whole in wrestling became very blase it, it just became like cliche it became yeah. it, it became weak it it became like the low hanging fruit of if you're trying to get someone over just have them you know and, and maybe in a, in a sense bringing it into today going back 30 minutes ago maybe that's why Lacey Evans is having a hard time actually getting I mean other than the stop start put push that she seems to, to be receiving a lot there's no consistency or there's no consistency with the character but also the fans don't really want a raw raw type you know patriotic character even mm-hmm. if even if that character is making fun of them or criticizing them for not being patriotic yeah no that makes uh, a whole lot of sense i and you know you watch AEW obviously way more than i do is there any anyone on on those shows that is is kind of that patriotic uh character whether it's a, a, an american patriot or 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 somewhere else nothing i can think of offhand i think um I'm, I'm, yeah no i think AEW is more just uh yeah yeah i'm trying to think nope i mean even yeah. christian you know christian is there and he's not doing the i'm canadian better than you stuff mm-hmm. he's just, he's just i'm better than you and i'm a smarmy heel yeah personality um i mean luchasaurus does kind of bring up that you know dinosaurs are better than everyone else but <laughs> well that's true and if they don't bring barney in now that barney is coming back has some type of cross promotion that's money left on the table <laughs> yeah well anything else on your mind as far as uh july 4th holiday and and tying it into pro wrestling you know we've we've seen uh i think we've hit all the big players as far as the, mm-hmm. the patriotism goes is there anyone else that that you wanted to shout out or tribute to um i had some thoughts earlier um i don't i don't remember what they were but one thing i will say you know going back to the tom hanks discussion and the character versus um gimmick character you know, where, where does Eugene fall on that scale? You know, and that's interesting because I saw something and I didn't click on it, but over the weekend where Nick Densmore was being quoted as saying he didn't think that the Eugene character would be found offensive in today's WWE, which hmm. uh, could be up for a whole other <laughs> debate and discussion. But again, I think if if we as fans and we we all fall into it, where we lose sight of these are men and women who are playing characters every week. You know, I've, I've mm-hmm. seen the meme of, and you mentioned it earlier of, of Yoko Zuna and Scott Hall, you know, these guys weren't even, you know, real, a uh, real Cuban and a real Japanese wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I'm like in my head, and I know it's someone just being funny, but you know, the, yeah. the, uh, you know, must prove myself right. Part of me is like, well, technically, Yokozuna was Japanese because Yokozuna was the character. And again, that's where I think fans fall out of the, uh, you know, we want. And it's just it's such a weird thing. You know, we maybe expect when, you know, when I was at the airport that one time at WrestleMania, Randy Orton was there to pick up his wife and, and daughter from the plane and fans were, were surrounding him and bombarding. And it's like. You know, and I think Randy may have been a, a face at the time, but it's like you know he's he's people are like, oh, I can't believe he was so rude, and, and but it's like you know these are real people too, and and, and yeah. the character that we well, see on TV is not the same. Yeah, and I you know speaking of that MJF right now in AEW, you know the current AEW champion, his whole shtick is he's a dick. Yeah, And he doesn't want to be an AEW. And, you know, I, I saw a video a few weeks ago of um, he was at some signing and someone brought up a, one of his action figures to be signed and he signed it and just threw the figure across the room, you know, <laughs> kind of tossed it, didn't throw it, tossed it yeah. on the floor. And, and some people were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he would do that. And it's like, 
he's playing, I, I hope, the character of MJF. Right. You know, right. and he's staying in character, which you don't get a lot of today either, is um, you know, and that's a whole nother discussion of why we can of how kayfabe has or the death of kayfabe has kind of ruined aspects of wrestling. But I, you know, if you were going to see um, Roman Reigns, you know, let's go to WWF. Would you want him to be Roman Reigns or would you want him to be Joe Annoye? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, would you, so in that regard, like I have to give MJF props for stay, you know, being able to stay in character. Right. Like that. But at the same time, yeah, I can get it. Like, especially if you have a young kid who doesn't understand that difference. Right. And like, oh, why was he a jerk to me? He's like, well, that's because he's a jerk. But um uh yeah, I I just think what were we saying? I, I got lost in the MJF. Oh, just talking about characters versus Character- real life people. Yeah, I think uh, uh yeah, and with Eugene and, and mm-hmm. Scott Hall, yeah. Um I, I you know, I think probably and this may be going way off on a tangent, is that part of the problem with wrestling over the last, let's say 10, 15 years, is that those characters are not there anymore. It's more of, hey, I want to be a wrestler. This is me. And I'm just going to be myself. Instead yeah. of coming up with a persona or a personality. And and even, you know, a lot of the popular wrestlers will say, well, it's me, but with the personality turned up to 11. Right. So it's it's still it's still not the authentic person. It's a character that you're portraying based on yourself, but it's still a character. And I think more wrestling needs those type of characters. Yeah, no, I I 100 percent agree with that. Uh, As we wrap up and and close this week's episode, is there someone on today's landscape or in today's landscape, you know, do we need that American hero? Do we need that patriotic wrestler or has wrestling become so global? You know, WWE is in in England or was in England over the weekend for uh, Money in the Bank. Mm -hmm. They're in Mexico later this month uh, for a a series of shows or going back to uh, you know, overseas, they they do all the Saudi shows. Uh, AEW is is venturing into England in, in August. Uh, you know, they're becoming more global. As the product becomes more and more and more and more globalized, and I know WWF really has always been kind of that way, but I feel like in the last five years or so, they've really mm-hmm. ramped up the world uh, portion of their name of, of World Wrestling Entertainment. Does the the American Patriot become, uh, you know, has that made it more passe as well that, you know, these guys need to be relevant on a on a global stage and and someone like the Patriot or uh, maybe even Sergeant Slaughter, for example, would that work in uh, other countries and, and foreign lands, especially, you know, going into places like Saudi Arabia? So do we need that uh, American Patriot character in 2023? You know, that's an interesting thing because I think what's interesting is that I don't know if an American patriotic character would get over, but a foreign, you know, when they go to England, you know, they, they have Drew McIntyre and Seamus and I guess to an extent Gunther um, and, and Becky Lynch. I don't want to just seem sexist and forget the women, but like, you know, when they go to Mexico, well, they had Sin Cara. But, you know, now they have Rey Mysterio and especially Dominic is going to be the biggest baby face ever when they go to Mexico because he should be the biggest baby face going today and should beat Roman Reigns for the title. But it's funny how all these other countries will, you know, and maybe it's it's just the natural progression of the Bret Hart Canadian. It's mm-hmm. these countries will t- embrace their home talent or you know the person representing their country but i don't know if an american you know a pro-american character would play that well even as a heel i don't yeah you know i mean if you had um trying to think of a 
of a pro-American heel character in the past. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a very obvious one, but you know, if you sent them into uh, to England and had them face, you know, the names that I just mentioned or send them into uh, Saudi Arabia and bring back Mansoor or Masoor, whatever his new modeling name is, um, you know, would that, would the local wrestler be more popular? And I, I think it's an interesting dynamic to, to look at that, that in a sense, the, the wrestling landscape is becoming more global. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, it definitely has become more global. Well, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Chad, anything else you want to mention or plug before we say goodbye? Um, I just think that it's been, you know, like almost two months since I was last on the show. That's way too long. And uh, I should be on, I, I, you know, I, I am, I am Poochie. Whenever I'm not on, you should mention why <laughs> I'm not on and talk about when I will be back on. But no, I think, I, I think wrestling right now is at a very interesting place with um, just the, the popularity and the amount of wrestling that is out there, uh, you know, and we're recording this the night after money in the bank, 2023. And, um, I, I think we just, I need to get my passport renewed and we need to start saving money for WrestleMania London. <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see. If <laughs> it may, it may happen. You never know. You never know. Well, friends, we appreciate you listening this week. Have a great 4th of July. As I mentioned earlier, Pro Wrestling Tea Sale going on through July 7th. Uh, it's prowrestlingtees.com slash my123cents. And leave a review of this podcast wherever you leave or wherever you listen to your podcast. Take a screenshot of it and send it my way and you will get a My123cents prize. Thank you again for listening. Have a great week and happy 4th of July. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery